Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember to subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. This week's Fiber for Breakfast brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Broadband.Money. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now in our fifth episode of 2020. And before we kick things off, I'd like to thank our sponsors of Fiber for Breakfast, including our platinum sponsor, Broadband.Money. Our gold sponsors, Jonar Tools, Millennium, and MyBundle.TV and our silver sponsor, STL. You know, NTI's request for comments is due this Friday. And of course, the Fire Broadband Association will be filing comments. We've sent that out to our members for review. And if you haven't seen a copy, you know, give me a ring and I'll get you a copy. I also sent out some sample language. We had a lot of members asking about, um, you know, making sure that NTI prioritizes fiber projects. And so I sent some language out last Monday if you missed that email or need some additional help, give me a call or reach out to Jennifer to get on my calendar. On Friday, the FCC announced it's ready to authorize more than $1.2 billion of the RDOF to fund 1 million locations to be served by 23 operators and 32 states. This is the sixth wave of RDOF funding to be authorized. That brings the total to just over $4 billion out of the $9.3 billion of funding that was awarded on December 7th, 2020. So it seems like what's gosh, December 7th, 2020, that was what, almost uh, 13 months ago. So um, it's trickling out, <laughs> it's getting there. Um, on Friday, the Ninth Circuit decision um, was up, upheld the California net neutrality rules. This should become very interesting to say the least when the FCC confirms its sixth seat. It appears that while the DC Circuit upheld the FCC's decision to reclassify broadband under Title I, in doing so, the FCC lost its statutory authority to preempt state net neutrality rules. Therefore, the FCC cannot preempt State Bill 822. So that's ruling is really gonna cause a, or create a patchwork of state net neutrality regulations that could be very challenging to regional or national operators. Um, I suspect um, that this will hasten the FCC's effort to readopt net neutrality rules as soon as they have a fifth commissioner in place. So, you know, it's really good to be a lawyer in DC these days, uh, no shortage of things to do. You know, it's funny how things just, we keep working on the same things over and over and over again. Um, so we've been seeing that movie play out. Uh, at the state level, um, on Thursday, uh, I sent a letter over to uh, the legislators at the state of Washington for House Bill 1722, which is legislation to accelerate broadband deployment by facilitating micro of fiber. You know, the association strongly supported similar legislation in California in an effort to implement best practices that will accelerate the availability of fiber broadband to communities across the state. That brings us uh, to today's topic. Today, we're going to be discussing one light, or excuse me, one traffic light town in Eastern Kentucky with some of the fastest internet in the USA. I was with Plume yesterday and they told me I had my Plume pods in the wrong spot, so I moved them around. 
I think we've got some, yeah, we've got some delay going here. Okay, so why don't we, um, uh, let's go ahead and introduce Keith Gabbard, our uh, CEO of People's Rural Telephone Cooperative, uh, who will be doing today's presentation. And then, uh, Gary, if you want to go ahead and uh, re-log uh, in, and Keith, we'll go ahead and get your presentation started. All right, thank you for the invitation. Hopefully you can hear me okay. You are just fine, sir. All right, and uh, so our little presentation or story, uh, first slide is uh, is about the one, we had a story written about us in the New Yorker that sort of gave us a little, some good publicity, and that was the title of it. And this is just a picture of our one traffic light in uh, McKee, Kentucky, which is our largest town that we serve. And this is during a snowstorm just about a week ago. And uh, but we do uh, we serve uh, serve an area that's uh, very rural, and um, you can go on to the to the next slide if you want to. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about PRTC. We we are located in southeastern Kentucky. We serve Jackson and Alza counties, the blue counties there on the slide, and you can see our relationship to to Lexington and Louisville there. And uh, so we we've built a 100% fiber optic network. But we but before I go into that, uh, we serve all of two counties, Jackson and Alza County. So we really have, you know, instead of gigabit cities, we have gigabit counties. And uh, population of these two counties totals about 17,000. Our largest city uh, with that stoplight in it that you saw is McKee with a population of 700. There's a lot of mountains. We're in the Dana Boone National Forest here in Eastern Kentucky. and a lot of trees. Um, there's, you know, a lot, of, unfortunately, a lot of poverty here as well. But uh, but we're you know I'm I'm a native here I've lived here my whole life uh, went away to college came back to to McKee in Jackson County and started work at PRTC uh, 46 years ago and uh, been there ever since and and really proud of uh, some of the things we've done over the years. Uh, you can go on to the, to the next slide and this is just some pictures of our area. Um, the, first, the one to the left is the high school that I attended uh, and. Uh, Upper right corner is actually the town of McKee, and that's pretty much the whole town. That picture is, um, and you can see we're nestled in uh, in some mountains and in, in the valleys. And then the bottom right is is a a little county park that we have. It's called Flat Lake Falls. Beauties. We have some beautiful area here. A lot of a lot of camping, hiking, things like that. You can you can move on to the next one. And uh, just a little bit about the history of PRTC. We formed in 1950. Um, that's a picture on the left of been the early days. Uh, this was back when uh, we're a nonprofit cooperative, and we were formed when there were no were no telephones in this area. So uh, started out as telephone only. Uh, of course, we eventually ended up in the uh, in the internet business and the TV business, and uh, and we started our uh, fiber to the home project in 2008, and uh, took us six years and, and a lot of money. And either a grant loan or our own capital. Uh, but in 2014, we finished an all-fiber network uh, in in these two counties that we mainly serve. So every home and business by 2014 had a gigabit cable connection, had a fiber optic connection in their home. And uh, we're also part owner of a wireless company, along with four other small companies in Eastern Kentucky. Uh, we have a uh, uh, the five, the wireless companies ended up being even bigger than any of the companies that own it. 
And we also built a 370 mile fiber ring connecting all six of these companies. We built that a long time ago, probably 20 years ago. So we we're in Ford, we're in wireless, we're in TV, we're in telephone, and we're in broadband, the most important. And uh, I don't know if we realized how important this fiber network was going to be when we started building it back back in 2008. But uh, we've really, you know, seen some amazing things happen. Next next slide. Got a lot of notoriety about using a mule to build fiber optic cable in the mountains here, but this is a picture of Old Bub, the mule who uh, that was taken several years ago. But uh, we did use a mule to help help pull some of the fiber. We're mostly aerial cable, about seventy percent aerial, and then some of the strain we we did use a mule, and that became uh, you know using the, you know the old school mule to build this uh, state of the art fiber optic cable became a pretty uh, pretty cool thing and I think old Bub's more famous than PRTC or me or anybody else so there's been songs written about him and everything else and then they uh on the right there is just uh one of the first stories that was written about us and they called us silicon holler and um there's been a lot of other stories written about us since then that was that was one of the early ones uh, and this was uh when we built this fiber of course we we were all copper or coax depending on uh, whether it's tv or telephone or DSL but you know we just took all that down and now and then we became 100% fiber optic network uh, you can go on to the next slide I'll talk about some of the things that we've done with this fiber network uh, this was something uh, called a virtual living room uh, due to some of the things we've done with our fiber network we were awarded a smart rural community uh, award from the NTCA National Broadband Association a national organization we're members of and and we were one of a few companies invited to the White House uh, a couple of times actually. And uh, one time we went to a, to a health rural health summit. And we came out of that meeting uh, volunteering to do a pilot project to help veterans in telemedicine or telehealth. So we we partnered with our local library, with our local uh, well not local but the nearest uh, veterans medical clinic or hospital in Lexington. And we started. Uh, after uh, we, we took a vacant room in the library, we decorated it up. You can see pictures over here. And uh, this is a place where veterans can come. They can talk to their uh, medical people in in, uh, in Lexington and you know make appointment. They can make a, need to have an appointment, but they can talk to their doctors without driving to Lexington, spending the whole day going down there. And uh, you know this is something that, that took a while to get off the ground, but but this was the very first one of these things in the country that at least with this name. And uh, there's since been several others uh, throughout the state and the country, and, and we're proud to be, you know, the very first virtual living room and, and to help our local veterans, of course. Another really important thing we've been able to do is work from home jobs. And, and a lot of this was before the pandemic when everybody went to work from home, of course, or almost everybody. But uh, we partnered with a, a small uh, job training organization here in the, in, in the Eastern Kentucky, EKSEP, uh, East Kentucky Concentrated Employment Program. And they, they were starting a program called Teleworks USA where people could get trained to work from home. And they came to us and they're like, we hear you had some good internet. And uh, could you help us, you know, maybe give us some discounted internet and a place to start a training center. And, and of course we were happy to do it, but it was amazing what's grown from that. And now there's like, they call it a hub. And now there's like nine of them in Eastern Kentucky and they, 
and they went to more virtual with the pandemic to where they just train virtually instead of having a hub where people can come and train for computer skills. But we've had, uh, in the two counties we mainly serve, we had over 1,200 work from home jobs created in the last five or six years. And and you just think about, I think we got a factory move in with 1,200 jobs. That'd be pretty big news. But I mean, some of these people are working for Apple, for Hilton. Uh, these aren't cold call type jobs. These are customer service type jobs or technical support, things like that. Uh, we've got people that's teaching Chinese kids how to speak English uh, on, on some of these jobs. And it's pretty cool. We, of course, I know you know, you can tell I've got a little bit of a Southern accent. So we joke that, you know, some of these Chinese kids are gonna be speaking with uh, with our accent someday. I don't know. We, we might not see some of that during the Olympics, getting ready to see, I don't know. You can go ahead in the, the next screen. This just, uh, some pictures and things around. This is uh, on the left is uh, our gig certification. Of course, we're, we're gig certified countywide, two counties, and then Smart Road Community. We've got those signs up all over our counties just to promote uh, what we can do here. And, and the more important thing is how we're affecting our community. And the guy in the middle there, he's a guy that does technical support for Apple. He's got an amazing story. And, uh, you know, he texted me a few months ago and he said, I just want to thank you and PRTC for helping me uh, you know, be able to work and you know, we're able to buy a house because of that. And uh, it just gives you a good warm feeling inside to be able to help people. And, you know, we're, we're really just trying to do our job, but it's, if we can help people, that, that's a really good feeling. Of course, during the pandemic, like a lot of companies, we did Wi-Fi hotspots because even though everybody can get gigabit capable, Robin, they don't all have it. They either can't afford it or don't, uh, or for some reason they don't want internet and broadband. And uh, so we set up a lot of hotspots, probably about 10 or 12 throughout our communities, and trying to help people that uh, didn't have internet connections to do schooling or anything else, mostly schooling. You can see a picture of, of one of the kids over here on the right. We also did some scholarships and worked with the nonprofit here that wanted to pay for some kids' internet. And we, we partnered with the school system and with them and gave them a discounted rate and helped them get some free internet uh, until school was out. And of course, we participated in the emergency broadband benefit program. And we are participating in the, the now renamed uh, affordable connectivity program. And, and we've got a lot of people that need that discount in order to get broadband and then we're helping get that and get the tablets as well. This is just a picture of what we're looking at in the future. We, once we finished our two counties, the blue counties down here in the right hand corner, uh, we started getting and started telling our story. A lot of the neighboring counties were like, well, we'd like to have some of this fiber broadband as well. Can you come to us and serve us? And they, they mostly had DSL served by one of the larger carriers. And uh, we've tried to figure out ways to do that. And we've been doing some of that. The, the areas shaded in yellow are areas we've built out to in those counties or in the process of building out to. This is just a picture of a warehouse. We just bought this warehouse about six months ago, or maybe even maybe it's three months ago. Anyway, it's an old sewing factory that had been closed here in McKee for about seven years. And we bought it and converted it into a warehouse and you can see a lot of the fiber that we've stored there and we've got fiber that we've had ordered for a year and it's coming in weekly a little bit at a time and uh, we're in the process of building out a lot of fiber in, in these surrounding counties and, and part of the way that we've done that is you know through some uh, some USDA grant loan projects we've we've uh, been a recipient of a 
recipient of a reconnect award we've been the recipient of two small community connect grants and then we also in these areas that we were already looking at we we were in the hard off auction as well and, and we're able to get some some monies through that or we haven't done any money yet but we were awarded uh, some of the areas that we bid in and, and we were trying to be strategic in bidding the areas that we were already that were adjacent to areas we were already building into but we've uh, there's a lot of people in eastern Kentucky that need good broadband and we're not the only company providing it they're like I said earlier, there's four companies that partner with us that own a wireless company, Appalachian Wireless. Those companies are doing the same thing we are, but there's still a lot of people in Eastern Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, that do not have good broadband that's still working on DSL or some even wireless only. And, uh, you know, we can't serve them all, but we're trying our best to uh, provide good broadband to much needed area. And, uh, and it's something that you know, we feel strongly about not only to expand and make our company bigger, but you can go on the next slide, but also to, you know, make people's, make a difference in people's lives because I think some of the things we're doing is changing, changing lives for the better. And we're really thankful, proud to be doing that. This is just a, a slide showing some of the, you know, we're not bashful about applying for funds and, uh, 1950 to 2000, the first 50 years of PRTC, we obtained 12 loans from USDA, totaling 27 million. And then from 2008 to the present, you know, the last 14 years, uh, we've been awarded six grant loans, totaling 58.9 million, uh, starting in 2010 with some ARA money. And then we've got, like I said, two community connects and a reconnect. So for the life, and, and we've been denied a lot too. I don't want to act like that we've, <laughs> we get an award every time we apply for one, but we've probably been denied half the time we've applied. And, uh, but during the life of our company, uh, we've received 57 million in loans, 29 and a half in grants, total awards from RUS 86.7. And then we're, you know, in the process of getting ready to apply for some more. Uh, there's a lot of reconnect money, a lot of bead money coming down. That'll probably be another year out. And then, of course, our state started a broadband matching grant program that just started this year that we'll probably be active in as well. So we're looking to to expand our fiber footprint. We only do fiber. We don't do coax or copper anymore. and haven't for a long time. Strong believers in, in that fiber is the best model. And we think the people of Eastern Kentucky deserve uh, the best quality broadband they can get just like anybody else. I think the next slide is just uh, just my contact information, and if anybody would like to contact me, it's it's there in front of you. But uh, I think that I don't want to go too long. Good time for questions, but I think that that pretty much tells our story. I mean, I could talk for another 30 minutes about some of the things we have going on here, but I'll I'll try to be quiet now and give time for questions. Keith, this is great stuff. Um, um, so when you um, look like uh, you know, you, what are you delivering today? Is it gigabit or 10 gig? What are you doing today? We're, we're doing gig, but we're, we're looking at upgrading to 10 gig as well. Of course, just doing electronics is all that takes, but we, we offer 100 meg up and down, 500 up and down, or a gig, we offer three speeds. And, but and what gig, is your most popular service level? Well, 100 meg is the most popular just because it's the least, least expensive, uh, but one thing I've noticed as we branch out into these surrounding counties that have had 
cop, uh, DSL and three meg or five megs, all they can get. You know, they don't just go for the 100 meg. They'll say, I want a gig because I think one of the reasons I think is because they're used to being promised about 10 times faster than they actually get. <laughs> so maybe they think that's what we're doing too, but you know, we're actually providing the speed that we advertise. But we're, we're seeing a, a gig become more and more popular. But when we first started offering a gig, not as many people took it, but 100 meg is the most popular, but we're getting more and more getting the higher speeds because so many more applications uh, for broadband that, uh, you know, 100 meg is, is just not as fast. It doesn't seem as fast as it, as it once did, uh, you know. So I have some people have been noticing some things in your office there. So an SC <laughs> desk stand and a, a 302 and maybe an A40. Uh, Oh, we're talking about this old phone behind me. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's an old one. That, actually, the CEO that hired me here 46 years ago, he had a collection, and I just inherited that from him. So I don't know how old that is or where that came from, but well, I've got some real old ones here. That's just one example of them. But I don't think that I was ever another comment on um, talking about how. Go ahead. I said the one way back there on the desk, uh, I think that's one that was used in our network here, but that other one was probably too old for our network. Well, you think about what you've done for those communities and, you know, kind of bringing people from, you know, what over the last 50 years, um, it's amazing. But, and we've had some notes here talking about how your story is really kind of uplifted them this week. And, uh, you know, kind of reminds us all of why we're in this business. So congratulations on that. Uh, Thank you. It does. It you know, does feel. I mean, this is probably the last ten years of my career here, and I've been here forty-six years. No doubt, the most rewarding because you know this is my community. These are my people. I grew up with them, and seeing their lives uh, being improved, you know, because partly because of something we've done is a very good feeling and rewarding experience. So one of the questions came in as we look at the economic benefits of installing local fiber. What partnerships do you recommend to combat uh, persistent poverty? Well, there's anybody you can partner with. I mean, we partner with the, the electric co-op here some. We don't actually build fiber together as a joint company, but but they're a co-op as well. And uh, they see what we're doing. And, and, you know, we do joint use poll agreements and things like that. We partnered with them. And they had offices in some counties we didn't serve. We built fiber to them. They partnered with us. Uh, of course, obviously, the state government and U.S. government, if there's any kind of grant or partial grant programs you can get in partner with, that's that's the only way we can see doing building. When you got like six customers a mile or something like that, uh, you've got to have some help uh, with the capital investment in this. So we, you know, we get some, like I said, we're part owner of a wireless company. That helps us as well. So we use combination of grants, loans, our own investment, our own money, and some money we get from our wireless company we try to try to put all those together and, and any other partnerships we can find but if you're in an area that doesn't have anything and you can't get your incumbent to do it then you know that that's a little bit more of a challenge uh we, in our case we are the incumbent so that's a little different hey i got a business opportunity for you here it looks like some people want to lease out old bub is that uh is he available <laughs> i don't even know if he's alive anymore we'd have to find him first <laughs> he was he was actually didn't belong to PRTC, one of our contractors brought it in. 
that uh, I haven't seen that contractor in a few years. So I don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll have him reach out to me. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> he did a good job for us, though, when he was here. That's awesome. Hey, um, I have some questions about, can you run down the economics of your project, like your fiber deployment costs, uh, household uptake, maintenance, and those kind of things? Yeah, of course. Uh, the, the area, our two incumbent areas we build was $50 million, uh, 1,000 miles, 50,000 a mile. And as we build out these edge and these other counties where we don't have any infrastructure, we're probably seeing it closer to 70,000 a mile. Um, as far as the take rate, uh, in our incumbent area, we probably, you know, not everybody wants broadband. We probably got 75, 76% take rate. In the new areas, we were hoping where we compete, we were hoping for 40. Uh, we've seen it go uh, over 50 and, and even closer to 60 in some parts. So uh, we're new, we're small. You know, they've had a national name brand all these years and, you know, we, we have to get our name out there and market it. And, and you know, we've, we've been lucky to get a lot of good free publicity with stories written about us and things like that. But, you know, the best best publicity is word of mouth. And if we keep doing a good job as a local company, they continue to to call us. I get calls every week saying, when are you building fiber out my road? How long will it be uh, to so, in some surrounding county? So we're definitely... It's nice to have something other people want. Uh, I, most of my life, I grew up with people complaining about we don't have a four-lane highway, we don't have a Walmart, we don't have an interstate, we don't have a hospital or a college or a, anything like that. But now, you know, we got all these counties around us that have some of those things. Saying we'd like to have some of your fiber, we'd like to have some of the broadband you have, and uh, you know, can't do it for everybody. But we'll try our best as quickly as we can. One thing I've noticed in this fiber build, it is definitely not a sprint, it's a marathon. It takes a while to get fiber built, but it's worth the wait. Well, this next time they call, just say, send one of their mules down and you'll just <laughs> hook some fiber to them and pull it down their hauler for them. Well, that's a little bit more to it than that, but uh, you're right. That's one way that, that we can do it that way, but you know, there's engineering and ordering the fiber and getting it here and things like that. But uh, you know, about the supply chain issue, that can be an issue, but we've bought a big enough warehouse to store some fiber we're planning on having some fiber in here and building a lot more um i some veterans have written in here just uh, say they love your telehealth remote location and just way to go so congratulations on that um i can imagine that veterans we're happy to do it oh on um this is kind of our last question here because we're running out of town but you mentioned that you're participating in um, the Emergency Broadband Benefit Program and now ACP. What, um, so tell us a little bit about, you know, quickly on um, that program and kind of your take rate on that. We've had, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think, I think we had about 600 plus people that took advantage of the EBB and about half of them uh, got one of the tablets. We did the, the tablets as well. But we feel like, um, you know, we've got, Six, seven thousand broadband customers to count uh, our areas and surrounding counties, and, and we think there's a lot bigger percentage than that that's eligible. So we're going to try to do a better job of promoting it. We, and it is a little bit of a challenge sometimes to get signed up. Uh, there's there's some red tape involved, and and, and our people try to help people do that. Sometimes they are required to do it a certain way, and we're not allowed to help. But, but uh, we we've we've had. Quite a few people take advantage of it, but, but I suspect even though the $50 is going down to 30, 
I suspect we're gonna have a lot more uh, as it becomes more known because we've got a lot of people that that are gonna be eligible for it where I live. Well, fantastic, Keith. Thank you so much. Um, as other people have written in, you know, this is heartwarming. It just this is why we're in this business. You know, guys like you that are really you know serving your community in a very stellar way. So congratulations and thank you for what you do. Um, you know, really appreciate you sharing your your thoughts and experience and so forth. Um, hey, so thanks everyone for joining us today and I look forward to getting back next Wednesday. We're going to be discussing Beware of the Loudest Promise in the Largest, What History Has Taught Us About Rural Connectivity with Dr. Chris Alley, the author of Farm Fresh Broadband, the Politics of Rural Connectivity. You're not going to want to miss that. So thanks for joining us today. Sorry I messed with my plume pods before the call. Uh, hopefully I won't do that next time. But uh, Heath, everyone, see you guys next Wednesday.